Alright, everybody good? Okay, so today's chapter is going to be Exodus chapter 2. Uh, if you guys remember from last time, we did Exodus chapter 1. Uh, Moses' mother, actually I'm sorry, the Israelites' women, which will include Moses' mother here in a second, they were instructed to, if they had a male child, to kill that child. Yeah, the, 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 the ruler back then, the Pharaoh, he was not for the Israelites, didn't believe in the God they worshiped and praised. And so he said, hey, do you have any male children? The law is that you kill them immediately. And so um, in the story here, Moses is going to be born into this society. And the way his mother reacts, the way his mother responds is very fascinating to this. And God blesses her through it. So I want you guys to listen to how uh, Moses' mother responds to the law in the land. And it starts in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off, to know what will be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is the one of the Hebrews' children. So what do you guys think about the irony of this story here? So Moses' mother, she sees that he's a beautiful child, and she's like, hey, Something special about this kid, you know, the law is wrong. Uh, I'm going to follow God and, and preserve this, this child's life. So she hides him for three months. And you can only imagine probably the nervousness that she's feeling in this three months. Like, oh, if they happen to find out I hid this child, I'm probably going to be killed too. They're going to take my child. And she's probably, you know, pretty nervous and anxious during this time. But she goes through with this. Everything goes successfully. But after three months, it, the child has grown. It's getting to a point where she's like, okay, I can't hide this child anymore. Somebody's eventually going to figure it out. So she takes drastic measures and builds basically this basket, uh, this really, really sturdy, strong basket that would float on water. And you can see here, she used asphalt and things like that. So it was a pretty strong basket. And she puts the child in it and then puts it by the riverbank. Um, puts the basket in the child by the riverbank. And I want you guys just to think about this. If you're a mother, if you were a mother in that time, and you have a young child, and you've nursed him for three months, and you've grown attached to this child, you've carried him for nine months up to that point, then, you know, you're probably going to be very anxious about giving your child away and really not knowing what's going to happen to him. You know, think about the kind of faith in that moment. So I want you guys to think about that tonight, the faith of Moses' mother. She believed that God would provide and God would keep her baby safe, but really she had no idea how that was going to happen. You know, it would, have been, it would have been a lot easier for her just to keep the child and say, you know what, you know, I'm just going to wing it here. I can't take that chance. It's too risky. It's too hard. Well, sometimes God calls us to do things that maybe seem impossible or seem unreasonable because he has a bigger plan in place for us. And his thinking is, is high above human reasoning and human thinking. And so God instructs her to do this, and, and she does it. I want you guys to think about what happens next here. Who finds the baby? Anybody catch that? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter, okay. Now think of the irony in that situation, okay. Pharaoh's daughter, she's the daughter of the one that made the law to kill these babies. 
she immediately knows uh, that when she sees this baby, that's a Hebrew's child. And she's really instructed to, to kill the child or to do away with the child or send him off or something because he's older now. But instead, what happens? She takes care of him. Yeah, she takes care of him. So think about this. She sees the baby weep and it melts her heart and she has compassion on it. I want you guys to think about the irony there and how God's plan works. You know, if anybody would have told you, I uh, told Moses' mother, that, hey, by the way, when you send your child down the Nile, Pharaoh's daughter is going to be the one that receives the basket. Immediately, she probably like, okay, well, he's a daughter. You know, that's, that, that's the absolute worst thing that could happen. But, ended up, God ended up working through all of them and even used Pharaoh's daughter to, I want you guys to think about this. Had Moses been taken by somebody else other than Pharaoh's daughter, he wouldn't have been raised in the Egyptian family. And probably his entire life, he would have been persecuted, he would have been put at risk, he probably would have lived in poverty, and it would have been a pretty tough life. But because Pharaoh's daughter is the one that found him, and because God melted her heart, and she had compassion on him, and went against her father and kept the child, he ended up being raised in the Egyptian household. So I want you guys to think about the life that Moses had because of this. And he was in power, he was in, he was in the, um, the palace or whatever they had back then, and he was living the good life. And so none of this would have happened you know, had Moses' mother kept, kept it. And so what you guys to think about it again in our lives today, sometimes God's going to call us to do things that seem absolutely impossible and make no sense to us. And we're thinking, well, God, if we do that, nothing good's going to come from that. But God has a bigger plan involved, and he's thinking way farther ahead than we, than we can even see right now. So sometimes if God calls you to do something, it's because later on down the road, He's going to use that situation for something even better than what it would be if you, if you did it your own way. If you did things your own way. So I want you guys to listen here uh, the next part of this, of this uh, chapter. And it says, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that you may nurse the child, or she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Do you have a question? Wasn't the mother like the caretaker or something? Yeah, so that's what, that's what we're going to get to. So I want you guys to think about, there's two things here. One, because the mother gave Moses, you know, followed God's, you know, plan here, and gave Moses to the Nile, and then, you know, Pharaoh's daughter ended up receiving Moses, he ends up getting raised in this really nice lifestyle, he's protected, you know, he, he has everything he can basically ever want, but also in addition to this, Pharaoh's daughter calls Moses' mother, she finds out who, who actually Moses' mother is, calls her in, and says, hey, why don't you take care of him, you help raise him, and once he gets old enough, then he'll come and live back in the palace with us, or, or come and live in the palace with us and continue his life. And so she actually still continues to raise Moses with Pharaoh's blessing because his daughter said it was okay, and she gets paid for doing it. It says that she gives her wages. So not only does she get to continue to raise Moses, and he has this great lifestyle now, she also gets paid for it. So it's kind of ironic, yeah. So she was originally getting to do what she wanted to do while just getting free money for it. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, because she would have raised him anyways on her own, but now she gets paid for it, and he has the protection of the whole Egyptian kingdom because he's part of the Egyptians now. Interesting, isn't it? Um, but also, what's an important note here is um, Moses' mother was obviously a follower of God, and she obeyed him. Uh, as much as we can tell from the, from the passages that we read in the Bible. And so throughout his childhood, although he was still raised by the Egyptians in a way, he also still got that biblical teaching from his mother. Yeah, so, definitely that when he's like, Well, we don't, I don't know exactly how long she was with him, so it could have been. Um, uh, you know, that's something to, to look into. I, I'm not, I'm not 100 sure. I mean, it doesn't tell us exactly how long she had him. Um, but I mean, from what we can tell from this passage, it's not like Moses' mother got cast off, so she probably had a part in his whole life growing up, at least in some way. Okay, Well, see, he was only three months when she got him, and then she brought him back in. So she probably stayed several years, you know, kind of growing up with him. And then um, I'm sure she kind of come visit him often. It never says that Pharaoh, like, cast her away or anything like that throughout his childhood. And so basically Pharaoh's daughter kind of co-raises Moses with his mother. So that's kind of cool. It's a neat story to see how she still kind of teach him about God and teach him his ways while he also grew up with the Egyptians. So I want you guys to write this down today. Then um, point number two is God uses this time of Moses in Egypt so he can learn to lead from a place of power. So God teaches Moses to lead from a place of power. So think about this, the Egyptians and Pharaoh especially, and obviously Moses being extremely connected with Pharaoh's daughter, um, they have the most power in all the land. Okay, whatever they say, that point goes. It was it wasn't a democracy like, hey, we'll vote on this. You know, we'll see if the House passes it, if the Senate passes it. You know, whatever Pharaoh said goes. So during this time, Moses learns to lead from a place of power. And and, and, and I looked at the commentary and it said this right here. It said, being the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses was in the royal family. The ancient Jewish historian Josephus wrote that Moses was heir to the throne of Egypt. And, while, and that while a young man, he ended up leading the armies of Egypt in victorious battle against the Ethiopians. So under the guidance of Pharaoh and some of the, the major people in Egypt, Moses starts to become this great leader. And he starts to learn how to lead in battles. He starts to learn how to lead a kingdom. Um, he starts to learn, you know, how to instruct people and have people follow you. And so that was a, that was a great time for Moses to learn that. And so think about this again. Had Moses' mother kept him and not put him in the Nile River, had he not ended up being with Pharaoh's daughter, had Pharaoh's daughter not had compassion on him, none of this happens. And Moses probably grows up just like any other Hebrew child that was hid during that time and probably lives his whole life in fear, probably in poverty, and you know has a very little chance to make anything of himself. But because of God's provision, Moses now is one of those powerful people in all of Egypt and he, he's lived this luxurious lifestyle. He's learned about God from his mother. She's gotten paid through the process. So she probably has a decent lifestyle now that she didn't have before. And now Moses has this wonderful opportunity to now lead a kingdom or, or learn how to lead a kingdom and lead an army. And so, and as he says here in Acts, 
So if you go all the way to the New Testament, in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, it says, Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. So the Egyptians back then, think of them kind of like America or China today, or maybe even the Japanese. They were like the premier countries for like scientific advancement, mathematics, things like that, academia. And so Moses got great education his whole life. So he was smart, he was talented, and he knew how to lead armies and people. So all this is going to come into play later on when Moses becomes the leader that God's called him to. But again, none of this happens had Moses' mother not taken that first step and put him in the Nile River. Okay. So I want you guys to then think about this. Now, what would, what would, what would, it, would it be easier for Moses to stay in that lifestyle or to go to a wholly different lifestyle and, and leave the kingdom? What, what would be easy for Moses to do? To stay. I mean, he had a great lifestyle. He had power. He was an heir to the throne. You know, most people, most people again, in the reasonable mindset, would say, why would you ever want to leave that? Yeah. So if he was an heir to the throne, did Pharaoh know he was adopted? Yeah, I mean, he did. Um, I, I mean, you got to think about it like Pharaoh, because it was his daughter, and she adopted him. Although Pharaoh disagreed with this, he, he loved his daughter, so he probably like let this one slide. But because she adopted him as her son, he became like a legal heir to the throne. Do they never have female pharaohs? Because I know occasionally they would have queens. But... Yeah, back then it was more of like a patriarchal society, which is like male-led society. Yeah. So I don't think they did back then. Uh, but then later on, as history advanced, they, they would. Yeah. Um, so that's so like she probably wouldn't have ever got to the throne, so it passed over her and went to her son, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so um, so Moses though, I want you guys to think about this. Although he's lived this lifestyle, he's growing up in the Egyptian kingdom. Um, he knows that what the Egyptians are doing is not right. You know, during this time, they're still persecuting the Israelites or the, the Hebrew people. And they don't believe in God. They don't support praying to God and worshiping him and things like that. And so he knows ultimately this, this is not right. And if he wants to change something, he's going to have to go against the kingdom. So Moses decides, I want you guys to think about this. Moses decides to basically step down from his position and start to lead the Hebrews instead. And I want you guys to listen to what it says here. This is in, actually, this is in Hebrews, but it talks about this exact point. It says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, when he became of age to kind of start taking over, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. I want you guys to think about that again. I want that last part off again. Just really think about what it's saying there. It said, Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So Moses said, look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna just be in this lifestyle because you give me all I want, and I can be wealthy and a, and a big ruler and stuff like that. Because ultimately, in the end, it's not gonna matter. You know, if I become the wealthiest person, the most successful person in all of Egypt, and most and the best warrior that they've ever seen, when I get to heaven, God's not gonna care about that. He's gonna care about did I follow you? Did I follow your will? And just like my mom. 
you know, she did the things that God wanted her to do, and that's how I got to how I am now, I'm also going to take that leap of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to do what God's called me to, even if it's not this luxurious, nice lifestyle that I could have living in Egypt, living in sin. You know, think about all the things that he would have been around, probably sexual morality, idol worshiping, all kinds of really bad things were going on in Egypt. And he knew that, hey, this is not right to stay in this, and I'm going to leave. But to go against the Pharaoh and to say, I'm not going to be a son of the daughter, I'm not going to call myself that, I'm going to go and be a Hebrew, and I'm going to help the Hebrews out, Pharaoh is not going to like Moses for that. Okay, that's going to, that's going to break that relationship. And, and, and ultimately... You know, the Egyptians are going to have, have it out against Moses, okay? So he, he knows that as soon as he makes this decision to follow God, affliction and pain is going to come, and people are not going to like him anymore. But he cared more about God's approval than man's approval. I want you guys to think about that in your life today. Do you care more about man's approval or women's approval, people in society, or do you care more about God's approval? Because if you care about people's approval, then you're going to do like... You're going to do the opposite of Moses. You're going to stay in Egypt. You're going to give the people what they want, uh, the ones that they give you money and stuff. And then you're going to live a luxurious lifestyle and just kick your feet back and say, hey, this is all great. But if you love God, you're going to realize that that's not right. That while I'm kicking it back and living the good life, people around the world are suffering. People around the world are hurting. And instead, I'm going to say, I'm going to surrender my good life. I'm going to put my... My desires aside, and I'm going to take on what God wants me to do and help those around me. I'm going to follow his plan because I know when I get to heaven one day, the reward that God will give me will far exceed anything I could ever get on earth. So what do you guys think about who you are today? Do you care more about the approval of people? And would you, in that situation, would you have stayed in Egypt? Or do you care more about the approval of God? And would you be like Moses and say, hey, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to do the right thing here. So Moses does this, and, and as, he, as he goes on, um, I want you guys to listen to verse 15. And this is all in chapter 2 still. And verse 15 says, So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is not. Uh, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. So we'll go over this a little bit later, but basically Moses, he kills an Egyptian because he was beating up a Hebrew. So think about, think about this. Moses just made the decision to go against the Egyptians. And he sees one of the Egyptians punching, kicking, beating up this Hebrew. He gets mad and kills the Egyptian. So now Pharaoh really hates him. And Pharaoh, it says here, is seeking to kill Moses. So here's what, here's what Moses ends up doing. Um, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Sephora his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have, a, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. 
So Moses goes from the highest of places in the land, Egypt, in the, in the palace. So now he's living in Midian. Midian is not this wealthy city. Okay, you think about like Nashville, and you think about one of the outskirts of Nashville 40 minutes away, okay? You're, maybe, maybe you're still kind of close, but totally different environments. And in Midian, Mo, Moses was a nobody. You know, nobody cared, you know, the position that Moses maybe had. They probably didn't know. I don't even know. The Bible doesn't say that he told them that he was, a, he was in the position of power in Egypt. And so he basically became a nobody in Midian. But the reason that's important is because God wanted to teach him, this is the last point here I want you guys to write down, that God makes Moses lead as a nobody. Moses learns to lead as a nobody. So he learns to lead in a place of power, and then the, then the next point here is Moses learns to lead as a nobody. So I want you guys to think about this here. It's easy to lead from a position of power. You know, if you're the president, the, um, a dictator in a country, you know, the supreme authority, the king, the queen, it's probably easy to rule, because whatever you say, people are going to obey it, okay, because they have to, it's the law. But when you don't have that position of power, it becomes a lot harder to lead people and to get people to do what you want them to do. It requires hard work. It requires trust. It requires obedience. It requires empathy. And it requires you to rally people around you and to show them that you care about them and then they'll care about you. So Moses now learns to lead from the position of being a nobody. He has to do hard work. You know, he's shepherding the... Or he's, he's doing like uh, basically manual labor for Sephora's dad, which he marries. He's doing hard work, and, and, and he does this for quite some time. This is not a quick little journey. So Moses goes from again, having everything handed to him, to now he has to work for everything. And he sees how hard it is for the people. He understands the people. He gets to know how they live and how they interact and the struggles they have. And he does it with them. And then through that, people start to respect Moses. And realize, hey, this guy, this guy is living life with us. You know, this is a guy that we can, they can, they can lead us. And then later on, God's going to use him to lead the Israelites through the Red Sea, away from the Egyptian army, and the waters will cave in and he'll lead them up to the Promised Land. So think about, think about this. I want you guys to think about the early beginnings here from Moses. He goes from a position of power to basically a nobody. And he has to learn to lead in very different environments. And he has to learn how to interact with different people. He has to learn different things. And through all of this training and experience, he becomes basically the perfect leader. And the reason I say that is because in our lives today, sometimes God's going to put us in places like Midian that we don't understand why God's putting us here. This is not where I want to be in my life. This is not the greatest environment. And I don't really want to lead here or do, or do this task that God's called me to. But God is preparing you for something greater in the future. God is preparing Moses and Midian for to lead the Israelites in the future. Because once he ended up leading the Israelites, years and years later, he had the experience. He knew the people. He understood the people. He knew how to talk to them. He knew what they were going through. And they trusted Moses. Plus, he had the leadership experience from Egypt. So what you guys think about in your lives today, where you're at currently in your life, or where you may be at in three years, maybe it's not where you want to be at ultimately in your life. But God may have you exactly where you're at right now for a reason, because in that area you're in, he wants to grow you, he wants to teach you things that later on he'll use for a great purpose and to, and to, and to help you be a very successful leader in the future.
And so, um, as we close today, I want you guys to think about that question. What is God putting you through right now to grow you to the perfect leader he desires you to be? You know, and, and when I say leader, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a president or necessarily be like a, a teacher or something like that. But each and every one of us, if we're a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, you know, you're a leader in society. You're trying to lead people to a better life. And ultimately trying to lead people to salvation when they give their lives to Jesus. You're trying to show them the hope. So in a sense, you are a leader, whether it looks like the president or looks like something totally different. So whatever that person is that God wants you to be, desires for you to be, God, God may be putting you through something right now, challenging, hard, doesn't seem like it's the place you really want to be in, so you can grow you into that exact person in the future. And when you look back, you'll be thankful that you went through it. So let me pray for us and then we'll share. Dear Lord, thank you so much just for showing us what it means that sometimes you're going to put us through hard things, things we don't like, things that are challenging, places that we don't uh, desire to be in. But it's all for a reason and for a purpose. And if we look to you, we keep our faith in you, you're going to use every single situation for your glory and grow us into the exact person you want us to be. Help us to honor and glorify you in all we say and do. In your holy and precious name, God. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.